When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio State and Rutgers this weekend. It's time for preview and prediction. Will C.J. Stroud look better for the Buckeyes in a, in a return as a starting role? And how could Ohio State possibly have a smaller line on the betting spread than what we saw with Rutgers and Michigan last weekend? All that and more. Ohio State and Rutgers are preview and prediction. Buckeye Breakdown coming up next. We've got the whole crew together as we cover Ohio State with our instant analysis from Ohio State. There's something that doesn't feel right. Unbelievable effort from him today. Is EJ Liddell going to crack the first team all Big Ten? I think he can be the guy. I'm not trying to start a quarterback controversy. He seems to have the durability. He certainly has the toughness. This is the question on a lot of people's minds here. Welcome to Buckeye Breakdown. Well, good Friday morning and welcome inside Buckeye Breakdown as we get ready for Ohio State and Rutgers in week five. But more importantly, it's the first Big Ten game in basically a month as Ohio State plays only conference games the rest of the way. There are a lot of questions around this team right now as they try to get back on the right foot with really no wiggle room whatsoever. I'm Brendan Gulick with Coach Tommy Zagorski. And Coach, I know this is going to be a week where a lot of Ohio State fans are traditionally saying, gee, we're playing Rutgers you know, this should be a game that, that Ohio State should just kind of cruise back into Big Ten play. Um, and while Ohio State is the more talented team, I don't think anybody's going to argue that. The Buckeyes are going to have their hands full. This is a very good Rutgers team compared to what we've seen from that university here in years past. Yeah, Brendan, it's not your uh, your grandfather's Rutgers team. I, I know they claim to be the first in, in football. Uh, we all know that the first game of football actually got played here in the great state of Ohio, down, up down in Stark County or up in Stark County, depending on geographically where you're at. Uh, but no, this is a great coach team. Greg Schiano does a phenomenal job. Um, he's going to come in with these guys. They're going to be hard-nosed. They're going to play really good defensive football. Uh, they've been choking out people in the run game. And special teams, yes, the third facet, the hidden yards. They've got a punter that's booming the ball over 50 yards uh, per punt. They've got an electric return man who's one of their receivers. Uh, they have a really, really good formula for success. Offensively, what they're going to do is they're going to try to run the football and control the clock. Their quarterback doesn't turn the football over. He has yet to throw an interception this year. They've capitalized on a lot of mistakes by other teams so far this fall. And they're playing complementary football. And I know that fans that are watching this, that are Buckeye fans, go with, uh, well, what does that mean? Is it the Browns fans? Is it Eric Wedge? Uh, a la Cleveland Indians, uh, we're playing complimentary baseball. And that's what it is. It's a boring brand of football. It's not exciting, but they're getting it done. They're 3-1. and one, And realistically, you know, had an opportunity in the second half against Michigan last week. Michigan came out guns blazing, ran the ball right down their throat the first drive. Rutgers then comes back with a field goal. Then Michigan goes down the field again. And really, in the first half, Michigan dominated that game. And then in the second half, fell asleep. And Rutgers had chances to come back into that game. And that's why this weekend for Ryan Day and the Buckeyes, it's essential. They start fast, they stay fast, and they keep their foot on the throttle 
as they go on and, and get after it, or more so the gas pedal. If they sit on the throttle, we're going to be in trouble. But <laughs> the gas pedal, they got to be ready to go for all you gearheads out there. We've got to start fast tomorrow in New Jersey. Look, this, this Rutgers start to the season, if you look at them statistically, you're probably going to sit there and think, gee, this is a bit more impressive than I thought. Um, let's let's give them credit for what they've accomplished so far, but recognize you know, they played Delaware, they played a Syracuse team who isn't what they had been a, a few years ago when they looked like a decent, you know, a decent team. Um, and then played Temple and had several non-offensive touchdowns in that game where, uh, you know, the, the score ballooned a little bit. The, the Michigan game to me is almost more of a barometer of where they are. You know, is it, hey, is Michigan what they were again last year? They struggled with Rutgers last year. They, they almost lost Rutgers in double overtime this year you know, right down to the wire again. Um, but I, I I look at the Michigan-Rutgers game, and I guess the thing that most stands out to me is that Rutgers' defense, when they needed to get stops late in the game, they were very good in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, I don't know if Michigan's got a, a totally dynamic offense. I think Michigan looks like a competent football team, but I don't know if they look like a Big Ten championship caliber football team. Um but I still commend Rutgers for going to the big house and for giving Michigan a heck of a fight. You know, the, I, this is not the same Rutgers program that, that Ohio state should beat by 52 points or whatever it is we've seen in, in years past. You talk about the special teams angle and, and, you know, their ability to flip the field. They've got seriously the, the number one net punting unit in the country. Um, their turnover margin is top five in the nation. They've played really good defense, even if it's against some some less challenging competition. They've got a pretty good formula going right now, and and you know some some legitimate foundational building blocks that Greg Schiano can you know potentially turn this program into a good one in the Big Ten. Absolutely, I mean, Brendan, you look at these guys, what they're doing right now. They have one of the top recruiting classes in the 2022 class right now. Greg Schiano's out there recruiting. Um, I, I know they went out aggressively during uh, during the COVID pandemic and really started getting a lot of guys that traditionally wouldn't stay home in New Jersey to go play for them. And then went out and got some guys, you know, even in, in our backyard. They've got a kid committed uh, for Pickerington Central right down the street, an offensive lineman. So, you know, Rutgers is getting out there. They're having the opportunity uh, to go recruit. But also, Greg Shiano is a really, really good football coach. I mean, everywhere he's been, he's been successful, um, you know, except for really, you know, you know, his last stop in the National Football League. But, you know, when you, from that standpoint, you look at what Graciano brings to the table. He brings toughness. He brings accountability. And that's what this team plays with. They're very tough. They're physical. And they're a resilient bunch. Michigan punched them in the face for a quarter and a half to start that game off. And then they settled down. And they played a much better brand of football. It's going to be exciting to see what they do. Uh, and Rutgers going forward, they're doing, they've got a great formula uh, to give themselves an opportunity to be competitive. I really think, though, this is a brand of football they haven't seen yet. You know, the Travion Henderson show, uh, our offensive, the size of the offensive lineman here at Ohio State, and the way that they're playing at certain times of the game, that's a different type of team that they're going to play. But I think the game that we discounted in the beginning uh, here, Brennan, is the Syracuse game. Syracuse is a better version of Syracuse now. They're actually playing defense right now. Offensively, they, they've already done what they do with their hurry-up offense. Uh, that they've done at EIU, Bowling Green, and, and now at Syracuse. Um, and it really dates back to the Baylor tree of just kind of getting after it and running as many plays as you possibly can. But one of the things I think Matt Barnes probably watched this week was that Syracuse game. 
Syracuse is the one team defensively that has been able to control Rutgers when it comes to the run game. Now, some people may argue, well, Rutgers is sitting there. They're in this game with, they know a Syracuse is an explosive offense. It's going to run a lot of plays. And sometimes as an offensive coach, you want to get caught in that track meet. Uh, and that's not the brand of football Rutgers wants to run. They're going to try to slow the clock down. I think they're averaging almost 34 minutes a game when it comes to controlling the clock. The Buckeyes, on the other hand, that is not something that they have done. Um, but, you know, we say this about our offense, averaging over five, almost five yards of all. I mean, this is incredible. Um, this is probably the the quietest successful offense in Ohio State history, averaging over 45 points a game. And hopefully this weekend will be an explosive, explosive offensive display uh, to really kind of calm down Buckeye fans. Three and one, one and oh in Big Ten play. And Brendan, you and I have talked about this off the air. Buckeye fans are used to eating filet mignon, and they've been eating Salisbury steak. They're still getting fed. They're, they're not going to bed hungry. They're just not going with the same satisfaction they've become accustomed to uh, over the past, you know, five, six years. And, and it's like, how unfair are we being, or are we being unfair? Because the offense has at times looked really, really good. And you think about some of these teams around the country right now, Oklahoma looks extremely vulnerable. Clemson, it doesn't just look vulnerable. They've lost twice. I realized once was to Georgia. Fine. They've lost twice already. And it's today is October 1st and Clemson lost twice. Um, you know, the, the, Notre Dame, I realize they haven't lost, you know, finally had a better performance because of a big fourth quarter against Wisconsin. But outside of that, Notre Dame hasn't looked great. Their offensive line really doesn't look very good. You know, the, the, the only team in the country that doesn't look like they've missed a beat uh, is Alabama and Georgia obviously looks like a really good football team, mostly because of their defense this year. So maybe there's just a little bit more parity in college football. Um, I, I, I saw a great article in the Dayton daily news. I believe it was yesterday uh, about the Buckeyes youth. And they basically went back and measured the, you know, the, the average age uh, or I should say the average experience of starters uh, on Ohio State's teams over the last 20 years. And they basically assigned a point value, you know, whether you were a freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, and and took into account redshirt years. And perhaps unsurprisingly, this is the youngest team that Ohio State has had in their starting lineup through the first four games. It's the youngest team they've had in 20 years. A couple of those other young teams really struggled. One of them also went on to win the national championship. So it's not just a, hey, these are really young guys who don't have experience, who can't seem to figure it out quite yet. Um, you know, looking toward next year, we're just building to see what 2022 could look like. Um, uh, there is there is certainly a component of that, but they've also, as you just pointed out, they've put up 500 yards of offense basically every game. We've seen good quarterback play now from at least two quarterbacks. I, I think Kyle McCord played better than, uh, what some other people were giving him credit for this past week. You know, Travion Henderson's emerged as a legit star. We know what the wide receiving core is capable of. Who's going to stop this offense right now? It's, I mean, even in the Oregon game, the Buckeyes had 550-some-odd yards of offense. It's, it's crazy. That's the number three-ranked team in the country right now, the Oregon Ducks. I mean, this team was talked about when they came in, and, and present company included – I thought the Buckeyes were going to run away with that game. I, I really did. And what happened was they started slow and had to play catch-up. 
playing catch-up football is really hard on a young football team. When you sit, get behind the eight ball right out of the gate and you're down two scores, you have the ability because of your talent to go get that uh, gap and close it. But it's really hard. It's really, really hard. I mean, imagine driving to work every day. Let's say the average guy has a 30-minute commute to work on his way to work every day. Well, on that 30-minute commute, on the way to work, you've got to go jog 15 minutes to get to said car, and then you get to drive your 30 minutes. That's what the Buckeyes have been doing. Granted, your heart will feel better. You'll go, oh, yeah, I'm feeling healthy. But that's a, that's a tougher <laughs> commute. You're still going to get to work. You're still going to be able to do what you have to do. But why put yourself through that when you know, hey, I can park my car in the garage? Or I can park my car in the driveway or right in front of my house, whatever it may be, uh, whatever uh, domicile you call home. But it gives you the ability to, to not have to worry about playing catch up. If the Buckeyes can jump out early and really play a brand of football that's exciting and ready to go. I mean, even last week against the Akron Zips, it's 7 nothing, And I mean, the booze that have serenaded the horseshoe for the last three weeks continued to come down. It's 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 unbelievable. If this young team could jump out early, I think we're talking about a different team on Sunday uh, when, when we get the opportunity to break this one down. C.J. Stroud uh, back in the lineup. Let's talk about him. Hard to know for sure because we're basically, you know, going off what coaches are going to tell you. And, and without having a chance to see him in practice, you basically have to take Ryan Day's word for it. Okay. Um, but CJ is, is supposedly, you know, back to hundred percent. He's healthy. The week off helped him and, and he's ready to rock. I certainly hope that's the case. I want to see it in person this weekend. Um, what would you constitute as a successful day for CJ Stroud on Saturday? Successful day for CJ Stroud. Number one, a victory. Number two, no turnovers, no interceptions, no bad decisions, um, and he's done a really good job, knock on wood, uh, so far this year of not having a lot of bad decisions and really see him throw the ball confidently. And what I mean by confidently is not airing the ball out early. Uh, I know a lot of people are very concerned. Well, he throws the ball high. He throws the ball high. He throws the ball high. He's going to fall through. If you had a shoulder injury, it's hard to follow through. Anybody that's played any sport in their life or ever moved their arm forward while their shoulder's been banged up. It's tough. I mean, I'm, people talk about a flu shot or a COVID shot. I go, oh, I can't move my arm. Like, imagine having your rotator cuff or whatever the area is, and now you're trying to make this violent motion of throwing forward, and you can't do it. And, and it's it's going to be hard to get to that point. Uh, but realistically, you know, a good completion percentage early. You know, we cannot see him throw three or four incomplete passes to start this game off and then have to worry about it. The other thing is not having to worry about – and I coaches, this is a coach talk – we got to get CJ comfortable early. We got to get CJ. You don't get CJ comfortable early running the football, giving the football to Travion Henderson, to Mayan Williams, to Master Teague, whatever the elixir is going to be this weekend, and let them establish the run game because Rutgers has done a phenomenal job of being physical and playing on the other line, other side of the line of scrimmage. I think they have like 16 tackles for loss to date on the season. Um, they're not a big sack team. They've gone two games without a sack, but what they're going to try to do is establish up front. Let the offensive linemen set their pads early. Let them run the football with Travion Henderson because he is your most explosive player. Give him the opportunity to maybe have a 60, 70-yard touchdown run early and kind of take the wind out of that stadium because right now the Rutgers fans are going to go into this thing, and this is their Super Bowl. It's their opportunity to bounce back from last week's disappointing loss in the big house. 
and really jump on this young team early and have an opportunity. Stay away from the catch-up game, and that's where C.J. Stroud will have the ability to then go complete passes to Chris Olave, you know, to Garrett Wilson, to, to you know, really this all-star receiving uh, crew that they have here at Ohio State. But it's important to help C.J. out with the run game. Do not worry about we got to get him this or got to get him that early. Don't worry about that. Start establishing the run game. We know it's going to help C.J. Stroud when he looks at the scoreboard and it's our 14 nothing. And he goes, all right, <sighs> exhale. I'm ready to go uh, from that standpoint. I, I, and I'm guilty of it as well. I think when you're game planning, you always go, how do you get the quarterback started early? Well, when you have a running back who anybody in the country right now, I think, would trade their guy for our guy. Um, I don't know if there's many teams out there who are like, hey, Trayvon Henderson is on the, is on the transfer portal. I think he'd probably garner 135 scholarship offers. I don't, I don't know if there's anybody <laughs> in the country that wouldn't like want this guy. Uh, so when you look at it from that standpoint, like let him go run the ball early, let CJ kind of adjust and be ready to go. And it sets up play action. This is the Ryan Day elixir. We know Justin Fields. When was Justin Fields great for the Buckeyes play action all the time. Seven man protection, set it up. Let Chris Olave go run. Let Garrett Wilson go run. Uh, let Jackson Smith and Jay come underneath. So you guys are, is you got your cutback? I mean, like, and, and like either way, it's like, oh, that's awesome. Like, am I driving the Benz, uh, the you know Mercedes? Yeah, I got the Mercedes, I got the BMW, and I got the Ferrari today. Like, what, what do I want to do? Like, all three are great. Like, from that standpoint, so I think that's a good way to settle it down in, in a long-winded response. But that's what's going to help CJ Stroud get himself going this early. A couple comments from Ryan Day on CJ uh, yesterday on his um, weekly radio show Thursday afternoons. He said. I thought CJ had a good week of work, so looking forward to getting back on the field this week. Uh, that was basically the first question he was asked when, you know, asked if he would be out there. Uh, and then said, I, I thought he knocked a little bit of rust off on Tuesday at the beginning of practice, then got into a good rhythm halfway through Tuesday, and then had a good day yesterday. That's what uh, Ryan Day told reporters in his uh, quick press conference after the radio show. Um, so, you know, look, if you're Kyle McCord or, or Jack Miller, now you've got some game reps this year. Uh, it's not just practice reps. And, you know, if you make a mistake or if you hold the ball too long, the guys aren't going to just peel off at the end. They're, they're coming to, to knock you down. Uh, and, and hopefully if they are needed at any point, that they'll be sharp when they get in there. Uh, but all indications are that, you know, this is still C.J. Stroud's team and he's the guy this weekend. And so the Buckeyes are going to try to get going against a, a Rutgers defense that has played well. Uh, so far in, in 2021. Let's talk about the offensive line uh, for, you know, for as good as Ohio State's offense has been at their skill positions. You know, the offensive line has done an outstanding job as an entire unit so far on the whole for the season. Um, they've had a few, you know, few bad plays here and there, but I mean, Nick Petit Frere and, and uh, Dewan Jones right now, and I know you're not a huge PFF guy, but uh, PFF has graded them out as the top two tackles in the Big Ten so far. You know, Luke Whipler's done a really nice job as the center without Harry Miller having been available. Uh, it sounds like Harry is available to play this weekend, but, you know, we'll see if he's if he's back in the starting lineup or not. Right now, Luke has done a good job. Thayer Munford gets hurt, and Matthew Jones has been a – really solid option at left guard and Paris Johnson has largely done a very good job at right guard. So, you know, the offensive line's getting it done. And and I think now they're going to see a little stiffer test this weekend than they saw the last couple of weeks with Tulsa and Akron. A strong physical front for the Rutgers defense. And it starts up front. 
Greg Schiano knows great defense. He knows it's going to have to be those guys up front knocking back the Buckeye offensive line. And the offensive line is going to be prepared this week. And one of the things, you know, and this media outlet, meaning you and I, Brendan, has not been negative as much about the offensive line. Other people have been kind of, they're up and down, they do this. Um, I don't know anybody that ever goes, well, this offensive line is outstanding uh, publicly. I don't think anybody's ever said it. You know, the offensive linemen, you go rush for a bunch of yards. Okay, they were there. Trayvon Henderson had a great day. How about the offensive line that opened up the holes for him? Uh, they gave up a sack. Okay, they gave up a sack. What about the other 35 passing attempts that they didn't give up a sack? So I, I think this Buckeye offensive line is playing at a, at a high level right now. You know, kudos, to, you know, kudos really, uh, you know, to the Buckeye staff for getting these guys prepared, uh, you know, to be ready to play. And when they're getting ready to play, you know, to have a guy like Matt Jones, who's been in the wings, you know, or watching this and watching and watching and watching uh, for now, um, uh, let's see, he was, he's had for what, three years now, I believe, three, four years, and they have this opportunity. And he was really the backup center going into the season, you know, and didn't even get that nod for the Minnesota game and still had the humility to continue to work, continue to grow. Um, it's been really good to see this unit start gelling. And I, and I know I'm not a PFF guy by, uh, per se, uh, but the tackle play has been significantly better. Uh, you know, you're watching these guys now uh, really coming into their own. They're massive human beings. And when you get them moving in the right direction, uh, the Buckeye offensive line has, has been dominant at different points of the game. It'll have to be tomorrow. That's going to be the telltale sign. Can they get on? And, and one of the game, one of the things you watch when you watch that Michigan game last week, Michigan, Michigan offensive line plays with a chip on their shoulder. They come off the ball hard. They're low off the ball every play. Because uh, they really, I don't, they don't pass much, so they have the ability to go get those guys off the ball early, uh, and they kind of wore on Rutgers early. But then Rutgers re responded. You know, you're looking for a fourth quarter, a four quarter effort on this offensive line uh, to really just dominate these guys and let them know they're in a game they can't win. And I think that's possible uh, with the guys up front this week, and uh, that'll be the telltale sign. If Ohio State moves Rutgers off the ball. This game could get out of hand uh, by the by the end of the third quarter. Let's talk about the defense, uh, specifically the the defensive line. You know, we've been a little bit critical, I think is probably a fair way to say it, a little bit critical of the defensive end play this year. Uh, some bright spots for sure from guys like Jack Sawyer and, and JT Tui Malau. Um, haven't necessarily seen what we hoped or expected with all the hype around Zach Harrison and Tyreek Smith, Javante Jean-Baptiste. Obviously, Tyler Friday is not available this year. Um, you know, the, the defensive end play has been fine, but it hasn't been elite. And yet last week, finally, a nine sack, 12 tackle for loss performance for the Buckeyes that largely came from their interior defensive linemen led by Haskell Garrett. Antoine Jackson played well. Even Mike Hall came in for his first game uh, and, and came up with uh, with a big play late. Um, when you look at Rutgers offensive front, What's your anticipation of what you think the Buckeye defensive line could do this weekend? The Buckeye defensive line is going to eat inside. I mean, this is a this is a Haskell Garrett game. You know, like last week, he probably played his most dominant game he's played as an Ohio State Buckeye uh, in recent memory. And people forget he's he's a preseason All American. This is a great player inside as a defensive tackle who's come back to you know really improve not only his draft stock but also help his family from that standpoint. And I think you're going to see him really penetrate inside this game is going to get funneled to the defensive ends because they're going to try to run some stretch stuff instead of their traditional inside zone and gap scheme runs uh, that they've been doing you know kind of similar you're going to see a run game similar to what ohio state does and and i think one of the things that's interesting and this is not to look back at ohio state but 
Ohio State's running more gap scheme runs than inside zone. Inside zone's been kind of the bread and butter. The inside zone and the, and the mid to outside zone play have been the bread and butter of the offense for the Buckeyes. They only ran, I believe, inside zone eight times last week against uh, against the um, against the Akron Zips. Really, and I don't know if it was a it was a buster for their you know their tendencies, uh, but for fans outside, they they ran a play called Duo, which is a bunch of different combo blocks. You're trying to get as many double teams as possible on it, and, and the Buckeyes ran a lot of that against Akron last week, and also because of the odd front, they're going to see a split front this week, meaning four down guys against Rutgers. Um, so. The same will be said for the Rutgers guys. They're going to play against a four-down front. They're going to try to get to their inside zone package early and try to get the ball rolling. Uh, but I think realistically, because of the defensive tackles being so stout inside for the Buckeyes, it's going to funnel really to those defensive ends. You're not going to see a lot of sack opportunities for these guys this weekend, so don't expect another uh, barrage of sacks. Uh, but really where the Buckeye defensive line is going to have to play is on the other line, the side of the line of scrimmage with a lot of tackles for loss, You know where Zach Harrison can make plays. Uh, you know, from that standpoint, and really kind of let him adjust. I talked about it last week. He went against a really formidable left tackle for Akron uh, in Xavier Gray. When you go back and watch the film again, those two had a great battle uh, on Saturday. Um, he's going to go against another group of offensive linemen that aren't the most athletic guys in the world. Rutgers O-line's good. They're not great. Um, and, and really, Ohio State's going to have to play on that side of the line of scrimmage uh, to really alleviate that stress uh, on those linebackers that we've been so critical of for the past four weeks. Let's talk defensive backs here. Um, two guys in particular I want to spotlight because I think we've talked a lot about Cam Brown and Denzel Burke, and we can sing their praises on a daily basis. Um, Ronnie Hickman has sort of emerged as a terrific star. I mean, this kid can really, really make tackles. Uh, fun to watch him play. On the other side, you know, you, you mentioned draft stock rising for Haskell Garrett. Draft stock's probably sinking right now for seven banks. He has not had a good year so far uh, and struggled to get on the field early on. Now he's at least out there. Um, so perhaps those two guys in particular, why Ronnie Hickman playing so well and, and why is seven banks struggling? Well, we'll, we'll start with the negative. I want to get it out of the way and then we can finish with uh, with, with my, my heart throb right now. Uh, Ronnie Hickman on the defensive side of the ball. Um, yeah, I guess seventh round banks is really kind of where he's trending right now and maybe I mean, by the end of the season, he might be undrafted free agent banks. But I, I think that he, right now he's he's in a situation where he just looks out of sorts. I don't know if he's hurt, um, you know, because it's not indicative of what he's done up to this point in his career. He looks stiff. He looks out of he looks just kind of out of sorts. And it's not like they're doing that much different stuff in the secondary. So it should be that much of a confusing year for him. And like I said last week in my article, you know, Kanate Mumfield from from Akron, you know, ran circles around him. And it was it was interesting to see that, you know, really, I think Akron kind of picked on him a little bit um, early in the game and the game got out of hand. So they didn't have the opportunity to do that. But I, it's really important to see, you know, going forward, you know, hopefully he's going to come back to kind of the player he is. He's a great kid. You really hope you wish nothing but the best for him in that situation. But he just looks out of sorts, Brendan. He looks stiff. He doesn't move as well. And he's falling around. And we, we've talked about the turf at Ohio State. You know, I, I, part of it's the cleats. Um, but like I said last week, the Akron Zips had to play on the same turf and they, they weren't falling down. So I and they're both Nike teams. So I don't know what the uh, what, what happened there uh, from that standpoint. But um, the positive sign, Ronnie Hickman, you talk about development and I don't row the boat. You're out there. This is a kid that's being developed week in and week out. He's buying into the process and everyone goes, well, what's the process? The process is getting reps. The more repetition you get the better you're going to get. Anything in life you want, the more reps you take at it, 
the better you get at it to the point where he's just playing really, really at a high level right now. He's mentally preparing himself where you can see he's there's times where he flashes where he's making plays before the play happens in his mind. And then his body's reacting, which is what you want to see. He's also been physical. He's playing with a chip on his shoulder. He's gaining that confidence where he walks into the facility every day and he's loving, loving playing Ohio State football. I mean, Ronnie Hickman has come so far in such a short period of time. I think we're watching one of the special safeties uh, really for the Buckeyes uh, going forward. And, and I'm excited to see you know his continued development. This weekend, he's going to have you know his opportunity to not only fit in the run game, but also have the ability to try to cover up a very efficient uh, a very efficient but quiet passing game uh, for Rutgers, and hopefully he can make some, you know, maybe cause their first interception of the season, uh, and really that turnover uh, that could be a big one for him to get this thing rolling. Let's turn our attention away from the uh, the guys on the field and and move to the guys coaching them. Um, let's start on the Buckeye side. You know, the defensive staff has come under a, an awful lot of scrutiny throughout the course of the year. Obviously, the you know the big change with Matt Barnes coming down from up top, now calling plays, and he's doing it from the sideline. Kerry Combs going up to the booth. You know, the, the last couple of weeks, it seems to have worked okay. Um, the Buckeyes obviously gave up a, a crap load of yards to Tulsa, but it was good enough. They didn't give up any big over-the-top plays, no, no you know, game-changing, momentum-swinging plays for, uh, for Tulsa. And Ohio State ended up winning the game by three touchdowns, even though it wasn't super comfortable. And then last week, you know, a, a little bit of a rocky defensive start, but, you know, beyond the one touchdown they allowed, you rip off, what, 59 points and and you run away with it. Um, so th this is going to be, I think, the best test for this defensive staff under its new, you know, shifted around responsibilities uh, now in these in these three games. From your perspective and watching the Buckeye defense the last couple of weeks, can can you give me some kind of an evaluation of what you think Matt Barnes uh, has done with with his opportunity? Because we had a chance to talk to him this week for the first time. He he came across extremely humble and and spread around all the credit and said, "Look, this is this is not about me. I'm not the one that has this big ego that says we're doing X, Y, and Z. You know, I'm trying to take a lot of different perspectives in." Uh, and and Matt Barnes was happy to say this is a group effort and everybody's pulling the rope in the same direction. So how, how would you evaluate what you've seen from uh, from the differences here these last couple of games with him calling plays now? Absolutely, I, and that's genuine. That's who Matt Barnes is. I, I And Brendan, you and I have talked about this before. Uh, the first time I met Matt Barnes was I was at a uh, high school football game at Maslin Washington High School, and uh, I was watching uh, soon-to-be Buckeye Jaden Ballard I believe he was a junior that year. They were playing the Gateway Gators that night, and it was a it was an awesome game to watch. And I'm standing there, and you know Matt comes over, and I'm pitching at the University of Akron. And he introduces himself, and was just one of the great guys. You know, certain people you just meet, they got an aura about them where you just know that humility is genuine to who they are. Uh, that's not that's not coach talk by him. He's a he's a genuinely good human being. I believe we spent more time talking about restaurants in the short north uh, and our families than anything else that night. So just kind of you know what a great you know what a great human being. Uh, you know, from that standpoint, but, uh, but no, Matt's done a good job in taking the stress off that linebacker room. I think anyone knows, you know, when, when you have different responsibilities and Brendan, I know you're an academic, I am an academic, you do group projects, you do group projects in school, you do group projects at work. Certain people have different talent sets. You know, there's the one guy in the corner who you're like, man, I can't, 
you know what? Hey, you you got to make the cover page. You got that? Like, awesome. And they're like, yeah, all right. That's what the linebackers are right now. They got to make the cover page for this project that, that is the defense. And so what they're doing is they're blitzing them a lot. They're taking a lot of stress off them right now. Uh, they're, they're, they're letting them go play. And really, this group, we talk about them being athletic. You know, one thing that you try to do when you're blitzing them is you take that eye discipline out of it. And you and I have talked about this before. Um, you know, when, when you go stand at a urinal, uh, you, you want to have your feet set. And it's the same thing playing linebacker. You want to have your feet set before the play. When things are moving and there's a lot of motions and different stuff, you see a lot of the eyes and the head start doing this and, and they're bobbing and stuff. It's not a TikTok video. It's, it's playing linebacker. You've got to make sure that they're comfortable and confident. When they blitz, they don't have to worry about those things. So he did a lot of that against uh, Akron this past week. Expect to see them do that a lot more this week. Uh, against Rutgers. Rutgers is going to, I think, to try to mess with them. We'll do some different shifts, some different, you know, and I, I foreshadowed it. I said Akron will probably be in some unbalanced sets. They got to it late in the, in the, in the game last week and really put themselves in a situation where they could have had some success schematically. They just didn't execute. So I, I think you're going to see that kind of, uh, you know, going forward uh, to try to put that stress on those guys, cultivating an extra gap. Uh, and what I mean by cultivating extra gap for those that are listening at home or watching along this morning on this beautiful Friday morning in the state of Ohio is adding another tight end or another offensive lineman to create an extra gap run gap that they have to cover with either a safety uh, or a corner. And then also making that linebacker, depending on how they're fitting those runs also be uh, part of the run fit in well, as well in that situation. So he's done a good job with that. Um, he's allowed the defense now the defense. And I alluded to this last week in my article, they're starting to play a little bit of one high and two high. And what that means is either the safeties in the middle of the field, or off the field, and he's allowed to play off the hash a little bit more. And what it is, those hashes are those lines where they line up the football. And, and as an offense, when you get to the line of scrimmage, the first thing you're looking at are the safeties. We call them the, you know, the cliff notes of the defense. They're going to tell you a lot of times what kind of coverage they're in. Uh, and you can try to see, are they going to be in quarters? Are they going to be in man? Are they going to be in quarter, quarter, half? Whatever it may be, you're going to go look for that based on the alignment of that safety. And what Matt Barnes is doing now is he's starting to disguise it a little bit better because those players are starting to gain a little bit more confidence uh, from that standpoint. And what it does is it puts stress on you as an offense when you're like, all right, they're going to run, you know, X amount of coverages. Uh, you, you don't have as much in the game plan to be able to go execute against it from that standpoint. So I think he's done a phenomenal job with that. He's let the defensive line play. Um, I, I know they tried to be more angles and stunts and different things uh, last couple of weeks. Uh, last week, they kind of let them put their ears back and go play football. Maybe there's something to that. Um, you know, adding on the blitzers. I thought Michigan last week had a great plan against Rutgers. They pressured them a lot by having the ability to go off and bring nickels and, and different pressures. You know, maybe, and you know, maybe I'm doing this because I, I my 88 jersey's back order right now, and my 14 jersey, I've already I'm ordering it right now. Maybe a Ronnie Hickman blitz package where you kind of get him involved, let him athletically go get to the quarterback and kind of make an explosive play, even maybe potentially force a turnover with that type of deal. Um, so it'll be interesting to see it, uh, you know, going forward from that standpoint. I'm still stuck on your your TikTok video comment. I mean, I'm not a TikTok guy, but I can see you on TikTok dancing and moving around, having fun. You, you have a million followers in no time. You'd be an influencer. I'm I'm sure of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, with, with NIL now, now that you know you can capitalize on that as an NCAA athlete, I'm not that any longer. Uh, but uh, but anyway, it's interested in sponsoring it. Uh, I'm all in. So for, for those yeah. for those that are wondering when when uh, you know you laugh and say that we're academics, uh, you're being extremely kind to me. You're the one that attended Case Western Reserve University and uh, and and had an excellent education uh, and played pretty well on the football field as an All American too. Um, 
All right. Uh, we had one additional question, but before we get to that, I want to do uh, a listener question here. Julian Foreman says, who's your MVP so far this season? That's an interesting one because I think you could go a lot of different directions. I'm uh, I'm tempted to go to the offensive side of the ball. Truly the idea of the most valuable player, not necessarily the best player or the most proven, but I think the most valuable player for me is Travion Henderson because he gives this offense an explosiveness um, you know, that, that they need to balance out the attack. We know what they're capable of at wide receiver. You could probably make the case that Garrett Wilson is the most valuable player. I'm not sure you could give it to the quarterback, even though we've seen good numbers from quarterback play. I just think Travion Henderson, what he has showcased so far, um, has has given Ryan Day the ability to exhale and say, look, we don't have to force the ball to the wide receivers. I, I realize that the Buckeyes kind of abandoned the run game a little bit in week two when, when CJ threw for, I want to say, something like 428 yards maybe. Um, but, you know, the, the idea that Travion has really come into his own obviously had the great single game performance against Tulsa. Um, I mean, by all indications, this kid is going to be an absolute big time star. Um, so I I'm, I'm going to go that direction. I don't think I could pick somebody on the defensive side of the ball. And, and I think he makes the most sense for me offensively. Brendan, I'm going to give him the nod as well. Uh, Trivia Henderson, uh, but I, I will follow that up. I agree with everything you said about him. The one thing you omitted about Travion Henderson, when Travion Henderson's playing good football, and he's running the football, it keeps this unproven defense off the field. So that's another thing that he does to complement, you know, really not only his side of the football, but also the defensive side of the football. And my other guy that, you know, I really think has really had a quiet, great season is Garrett Wilson. I mean, Garrett Wilson flashes on special teams. He's a return man. Um, he, he makes a lot of plays in the throw game. And he really is a good blocker. And when you go back and you watch him on tape, Garrett Wilson's engaged and he's running his feet. I think his stock, you know, we talked about draft stock earlier in the day. I think his has risen this year, you know, and, and not to say Garrett Wilson wasn't already like a no brainer uh, Sunday guy, but I think he he's adding to that, um, you know, from that standpoint, but, but Garrett Wilson would be my runner up. Cause like we, if we both go Trayvon Henderson, obviously, Oh, Trayvon Henderson, good call. But I mean, Trayvon <laughs> has done a phenomenal job this year, uh, but Garrett Wilson would be my next guy up, you know, from that standpoint. And it's not a knock on Chris Olave. Chris Olave is a phenomenal elite generational uh, type of you know receiver, uh, but, but Garrett Wilson's doing a lot of stuff quietly uh, that's uh, you know really paying dividends for the entire Buckeye team. All right, now we're getting down to the down to crunch time here on the clock, so we'll uh, we'll do this last question quick, and then we'll give our prediction. Um, an interesting scenario this weekend in Ohio State's coaching staff playing against a team that used to have Greg Schiano on their staff. Uh, you certainly have had instances in your coaching career where you have played against teams that were coached by guys that you had previously worked with. Give us an idea of the unique challenges of going up against a former colleague, especially after a while, it becomes a bit inevitable. You're going to see guys along the way. But when when, and how is that specifically difficult when you're game planning? You know, depending on how long ago they've been there, you know, a lot of things change in the facility. And in college football, especially now, the transfer portal uh, with a, a national pandemic, uh, there's been a lot that's happened since Greg Shiano departed uh, Franklin County. So there's a lot of things going on uh, in that standpoint. He may not even recognize the kids across the, across the way uh, that are there, and which is amazing to think in just that short period of time. Uh, but no, it, it's one of the things that you're challenged about is the language, your verbiage. Um, you, you know that person's been in your facility. They know a lot of your terminology. 
uh, which in, in turn allows them the ability uh, to kind of be able to call out stuff that you're having to, to really speak it from that standpoint. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, we spend so much time as coaches examining and looking at the other team. I mean, it's almost like when you go across the field before the game, and you shake hands with the visiting coach. You're like, hey, if Brennan, you and I were playing against each other that week, I'd be like, man, Brennan, I know you so well. Like, I got a picture of your homecoming date on my desk this week. Like, I know everything. You like know everything about these guys when you go into that week because you've invested literally like every waking hour and every sleeping hour of the common man in knowing who that person is. So, you know, some people gas that up a little bit more in the sense like, oh, they're going to play this guy or playing that guy. Um, yeah, he's going to know the language a little bit. It's probably changed since he's left because, you know, now they're on their second defensive coordinator, really third defensive coordinator uh, since he's departed. Um, you know, if you, you know, if you, if you go with the Madison era that was last year, you know, calling with Kerry. But from that standpoint, I think it's important to look at, um, you know, it's going to be fun. You, you you play against people you know. It's it's fun after the game to be able to go shake the hands. It's the same thing if you got a brother, you know. And I know Brendan, you've got one coming up here and getting married soon. It's exciting. Uh, that rivalry it, it never ends. You you want to be able to look across at them and like you still love them. You hug them out and you go, yeah, got you today. So that's going to be a big part of it, uh, you know. And, and that standpoint, I don't think there's anything that they know special that's going to be different than anybody else uh, who prepares. All right, prediction time. Buckeyes are favored by 15 last I checked. I know the line opened at 17. I'm still dumbfounded that uh, Michigan was favored by 21 over Rutgers, and the Buckeyes are somehow miraculously six points, uh, you know, de deemed six points less of a, of a favorite than Michigan was. Um, I'm not a betting man, but last week I, I said this several times to people. I would have hammered Rutgers last week uh, with 21 points. I think Ohio State's got a pretty good chance to cover the spread, although I do think this is going to be a competitive game. It's not going to look like what it did in, in you know, 2017 and 2018. Um, I'm going to go Ohio State 48, Rutgers 20. What do you think? I like it, Brendan. Uh, you know, one of the things about those wise guys, they got pretty sharp pencils in Vegas. They they know what they're doing. I mean, and you look at last week, they play Akron. It opened at 53. Uh, the game was 52. I mean, that's impressive. I, I, I to go throw out that arbitrary number. Uh, this week, I, I like the Buckeyes. Uh, I think the Buckeyes come away with a with a sound victory. Uh, I don't. I don't feel they're going to be as offensive. I think that defensively, um, I don't think Rutgers is going to give them as many opportunities. So I'm going to go 34. Um, I'm going to go Buckeyes 34, um, and I'm going to go with uh, the uh, Scarlet Knights going with 13. Uh, their field goal kicker is five of seven. Uh, I think he makes. Uh, I think he makes two or three attempts uh, tomorrow. All right, so one touchdown for the Rutgers Scarlet Knights against the suddenly vaunted Buckeye defense. We're going to hold you through that one, I'm sure of it. Uh, Ohio State uh, trying to get to 4-1, and one, and I'll tell you what, 4-1, and one, considering what they've been through so far this year, 4-1 and one would feel like uh, you know a, a very reasonable start to the year, and if you can get to 2-0 and in Big Ten play with Maryland coming up, um, Maryland certainly has way better quarterback play than they've had in recent memory, but that's another very winnable game for the Buckeyes. Then they go into the bye, and yeah, everybody can take a big, deep breath. Uh, there's a chance for Ohio State here. Look, their college football playoff hopes are, I think, slim, but they are certainly not over. Um, they have absolutely no wiggle room, though, the rest of the way. Uh, and they've got a couple other teams in this conference that are playing good football right now in Iowa and in Penn State. Looking forward to that big game against the Nittany Lions coming up in uh, a few weeks. Coach Tommy Sigorski, appreciate your time. This was fun. Ohio State Rutgers preview and predictions. Buckeyes and Scarlet Knights on Saturday afternoon. We'll see you soon.